0: This is your host, Micah. Um, I know it's been a while since I've put an episode out, so thank you for your patience. Tonight is going to be the testimony of my wife, Hillary, and I's marriage and what God's done in our life. Also, as a side note before we get started, I don't know if many of you listen all the way to the end of the podcast, but I always have some original music that I just like to throw together at the end. And if you do listen far enough to listen to it, um, I would appreciate your feedback to see if you like it or if you don't. You can contact me at nightlightpodcast at yahoo.com. That's night with a K. And anyway, with no further ado, we're going to get into tonight's episode. So I'm going to ask Hillary to start off by sharing a little bit about her own personal testimony.
1: Hello, everyone. So I grew up in a Christian home with a Christian family. A broken Christian family but a Christian family. When I was growing up I felt unwanted and I had a lot of insecurities. My family, my parents weren't married when they had me and my, mar- my mom was married to a pastor previously and then my parents had me out of wedlock so there was some interesting or tough factors in there um, that Led to maybe my insecurities and not feeling wanted because it it was a difficult time in my family's life. So growing up with that, I had a bad self image and I tried to um, just seek people's approval and their love and. I also was anorexic for a while, bulimic anorexic, because I just had that bad self-image, like I had to be the best. And my family growing up is was very tough, they still are pretty tough, but I also tried to hide all my insecurities behind that tough wall that I had built, so I carried that Throughout my teenage years, and then I met Micah in college. And when I met him, I still had those insecurities, but I covered them with my and I covered them with my crazy attitude, my my wildness, my outgoingness. Right?
0: Yeah, it's always we always cover what we see in ourselves that we don't like our insecurities with. Something like with me, it, it was a like being funny or acting goofy, that's how I am. And a sense of humor is not bad, but that's can be a mask, it can be used to cover up what the hurts that you're holding inside.
1: So, when I met Micah, I still had all those insecurities, and we had a relationship and we started off things in the wrong way, again, through seeking approval and through wanting somebody to want us and to feel needed because we, just because we grew up in Christian homes, we didn't always direct our approval towards God. We directed it to people. And we didn't know how to let God be our center, our everything, the one who we wanted to dive into. So we kind of dove into each other, um, and just had a relationship and not a godly one, but we had a relationship. And then Micah asked me to marry him and I, Didn't know what my family would say because Micah and I had only known each other through the school year, but I said yes anyway because I thought that that would fix everything that I wanted. I thought, well, I'll be able to love somebody. Somebody will love me, and I really do like this guy. Like, he's a great guy. He's a pastor's son. He's everything I want. He'll be everything my parents want, so I went for that.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I'll kind of share my testimony and put that on pause for a minute so we can kind of converge at the same point. So for me, I grew up in a Christian home as well. My dad's a pastor and my uncle's a pastor and there are a lot of Christians in my family. I always had a good home. I was always taken care of. The only thing was I just had that pastor's kid complex, though, where, you know, I'm in church and you know, your kids were running through the halls and people would say no running. But for me, it's like you shouldn't be running in the halls. You should be an example. You're the pastor's son. And I've been told that a couple times and no one was really mean about it. But I felt like it was a weight to bear. And I didn't feel like it was fair that I had to, you know, be the pastor's kid. And I know, again, anyone who's has parents in the ministry, I believe you know exactly what I'm talking about anyways I never had a girlfriend didn't have much luck in the girl department I was very shy I was very insecure in myself Um, I have Tourette's and I have ADD and besides that I was just always insecure in how I looked too and I was picked on a lot at school so I learned to fight my way through school which you know I wasn't one to get beat up I was the kid that if you like attacked me and beat me up I would take you down with me um, do my very best but anyway I always was like very soft-hearted deep down though like kids would make fun of me and it just hurt my feelings and I was very sensitive so um, I would be called gay all the time and I just wasn't into sports or anything like that I liked to draw I was into art um, so again I just had a lot of complexes that I put on myself and anyway, fast forward um, I went to Bible school uh, Bible college and I met Hillary there and I was in my senior year there when I met her she was a freshman and she was the first girl to return my affections um and not like you know she I mean it was genuine like obviously I had a couple girls in the past who like maybe expressed that they did like me but I just didn't feel like I was ready for it or I didn't feel like it was right but Hillary was the first girl that I liked that really liked me back and it seemed to accept me and as we got to know each other we did spill our guts I know we had a couple conversations on the phone um, while we were at college because you know she was in the girls dorm I was in the guys and whether through instant messenger or by phone we would kind of talk about our past and like she said we kind of Definitely moved too quickly into our relationship, and um, our relationship it was like we were desiring a godly relationship, but not necessarily acting out a godly relationship in, in all ways. It was like a surface Christian relationship. Um, we definitely had feelings for each other, and that's why I asked her to marry me, and she did say yes, and later down the road. I know she did explain to me some of her hesitations. I wasn't aware of them at the time. Um, but you know, so basically when we came into marriage and I should also add too that for most of my younger life, I had a, a pornography addiction. And a lot of that was born out of just not feeling accepted. And, you know, again, not, having a girlfriend or feeling like I couldn't get a girlfriend so I was like I felt like pornography I could look from a distance and those girls on the screen wouldn't reject me they wouldn't make fun of me they were just there which is wrong it's lust it's fornication it's um, not real it's a fake it's like a fake relationship and I think guys fall into that where they you know they can feel a connection with someone on the screen even though those girls don't know you they don't care about you all they care about is money and they're also carrying a lot of their own hurts as well and that's why another reason why pornography is not healthy at all there's many reasons Um, but anyways back to me asking hillary for marriage Um, in different ways we both thought that marriage would fix our problems
1: so we then joined in in marriage. Um, everything was happy. Obviously, we like had the honeymoon phase, and we moved near Buffalo, New York. And um, it's cold and dreary and
0: <laughs> lots of snow.
1: <laughs> and I was a little depressed just because I was away from my family, and the weather made me kind of depressed and. We wanted to do youth ministry there because Mike had gone to school for youth ministry. So we're like, well, that must be our calling. So we did help out in in the youth ministry at our church. And sometimes I just, I went because I was obligated and because...
0: You felt like you should follow me.
1: Yeah, I should follow him and I should go to church, be religious and do what I, I should do because I knew I was called from God, but I wasn't, I, I was just doing it religiously. I was, I was doing what I was supposed to do. And sometimes it was hard because Micah didn't want to do it all the time. And it was frustrating for me.
0: Cause I, I also felt obligated, like, originally I actually wanted to go to like graphic design school. Like that was what I liked. I liked video games and anime and I loved to draw. And my dad suggested going to Bible college. So being the pastor's son, you know, I went for the trial and I actually enjoyed it. Not not saying I didn't enjoy Bible school. I did. And I learned a lot, but I kind of came back with that complex of, okay, I went for youth ministry. So now I have to return home and do that in my parents church like, and I also just did it out of obligation I didn't have a solid relationship with God just just because you go to Bible school and you're a Christian all your life doesn't mean you really have a relationship with him
1: and I felt pretty much the same way but because we're different people we also do things differently so he felt obligated but kind of drew into himself and I felt obligated. So I pushed forward and kind of got bitter. And then one time I came home from work and I found out he was back into pornography and I didn't know that it was such an issue. And I told him that if he had this problem and that he continued this and I ever found out about it again, then that would be it.
0: Yeah, so I really, at that point, felt like I was between a rock and a hard place because I didn't like what I was doing. And it was kind of, I almost used it as a way of escape. It's not that I didn't love my wife, but it was like an old habit from before that I stopped but never really gotten free of. And then after the honeymoon phase started to wear off, it like drew me back into itself. And so I felt horrible and I remember that Hillary and I talked it over and we cried. She cried. I cried. Um, I think that's one of the only times you ever slapped me in the face. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Knocked some sense into me. Apparently it didn't take though. Um, But anyway, she had told me if you ever do this again, I won't be with you anymore. And so I really took that to heart because I'm like, I've been rejected my whole life and now I have to act good so I'm not rejected again. So for a while, I I did stop, and we ended up moving from Buffalo not long after that back to northern Pennsylvania, where Hillary's from, and lived near her family. And during that time, I was ended up pastoring a church. <laughs> I don't know how that even happened, honestly. I went to school for youth ministry, which I found out after the fact I really didn't want to do, and then I ended up pastoring a church. And that kind of crashed and burned in its own respect. I was very young. I was 24, I think, around there when, when I started. And most of the church majority was in their 60s and 70s, um, with the exception of um, my in-laws and of maybe another family. But, you know, they brought me in and I just was kind of in over my head, but I learned how to play the part. And I also struggled again on and off with pornography and I was so guilty about it inside. I didn't want to do it. I hated doing it. And I just would, I would maybe stop for a couple weeks or a month and then like fall into it once or twice. And then I would hold my, this guilt over my head. But I knew I was like, I cannot tell anyone because if I tell my wife, it's going to cause a huge issue. And I don't want that. I want to be married. I love her. And I didn't know where I could turn. So I just kept it secret inside me and it just kept building and building and building.
1: And for me, um, I knew that our marriage wasn't quite right. I didn't, or maybe just life wasn't quite right. I didn't know how to get through it. I buried myself in work. I buried myself in being the perfect pastor's wife and trying to do extra things at the church. And, um, my family was there. So I tried to Do everything that I felt like they thought that I should do Um, and I tried to in my own self be what God wanted but God wants you to just come before him and be empty and let him use you and change you and um, I I was definitely trying to do it on my own because I uh, from that tough family facade that my family has We can do anything, and we can do it by ourselves. So I held on to that and did it by myself. And Micah and I had argued about things. Micah really just had a tough time with family events or any events at all that involved other people. He didn't like them. It made him grumpy, and then it made me grumpy because... I wanted to make him something that he wasn't ready to be or didn't really want to be and God hadn't changed him to be. And I tried to change him because I can do everything myself, um, which does not work out for you very well. So then we moved again. We, um, I believe we only lived there for uh, five years in near my family and then, um, God opened up the doors and the opportunity to move to this area near, near
0: Phil- yeah near Philadelphia. Yeah.
1: And be in Micah's uncle's church.
0: Yeah, so I the church that we that I was pastoring um, a lot of the people ended up leaving. A couple of them stopped coming because they were older. It was an older building and there were stairs and they couldn't make it up. And it eventually got to the point where it was just Hillary and I and her parents. And that was like one Sunday, that was just all it was is the four of us. And I'm looking around like, wow, this is not going to work. So at this point, I knew there had to be a shift in the ministry that we were doing. So her parents had a different focus on their hearts um, than we had. So because there was like a I don't want to call it a division because it wasn't like we were angry at each other. We just couldn't agree on what to use the church building for. So an opportunity opened up down near Philadelphia, um, at my uncle's work, um, cause he works besides being a pastor. And, uh, I moved down there. We both did because it was a good job opportunity compared to what I had paying a whole lot more. And he told us that, we could be involved in his church and help out. So we moved and, uh, that was the whole next chapter. And this is where it gets really good, or you could (laughs) say really bad, but it ended up being really good because this is where, um, God led us for our time of testing. So we moved down to the Philly area. We ended up getting a condo and, Again, I was not free of my pornography problem. I I hated it. I, as Hillary mentioned, I didn't like to be around people. And it's not that I didn't like people, it was even my own family. I just, I was grumpy and irritable. I didn't want to be in any kind of setting, almost because I, I, I know it's because I had all that guilt hanging over me. Because if anyone, if you, if you do something wrong, you know it. Like, it's that guilt that hangs on you. And this is years and years' worth now, hanging on me, and it's heavy. It's a hard burden to, be- to bear. And it's also, at the same time, I felt like if people looked too close, they could see I had a problem. So I didn't like to be around people. I would have rather just stayed home and watched a movie or played a video game or just buried myself in a hole somewhere. And then Hillary was the complete opposite. She liked to be around people and... Um, She's always been social in a way. So I remember we had lived here like two years or so, three years, something like that. It was during our ninth year of marriage and well our marriage was not doing good. We, she knew there was something wrong, but she didn't know for sure what it was. I was extra miserable. Um, things got really bad between us like we weren't talking very much she was upset all the time and quiet and not talking to me and like she had shut down pretty much
1: and I just worked all the time to bury myself in and just keep trotting along because we weren't happy
0: so I remember we went to a smorgasbord one morning shady maple if anyone's familiar with that they're really great but we came, um, the whole ride home, it's like a 45-minute ride. We didn't really talk much, and I was trying to keep conversation going, but it wasn't working. It was just that tension. And I remember when we got back to the condo, we pulled in, and I said to her, I said, I can't do this anymore. I'm, I'm looking at pornography, and I, I, I need help, and I want to get help, and I'm ready to, to get help. And I'll talk to Uncle Paul, who's our past, my pastor, and I'm like, I'll talk to him, and I just need to get free of this. I can't do it anymore. And then that's when things really got bad.
1: And um, I think a week or so prior, I had just felt like this heaviness. I just knew something was wrong, and I didn't know what it was. There was something wrong in me, and um, there was just something wrong in our lives, and another guy who was my manager at uh, my job, he had started to show me attention and say, you know, are you okay? Uh, What's wrong with you? And, and I didn't know where else to turn. And I was like, well, you know, my husband and I are just, I don't know what's wrong with us. We're not getting along. And he just sympathized with me and listen to me. And that's something that I had wanted. And I remember uh, after him talking to me a few times, I went home and I, I just fell on the floor in front of Micah. And I said, Micah, I don't know what's wrong. You need to help me. I, and I was bawling and like having a hyperventilation and he just looked at me and didn't say anything. And I felt like, okay, well, this is it. He, He really just doesn't care because he didn't.
0: It's like the lame trying to help the lame. Like like you were in this like pit of despair yourself. And because I was so guilty about my own sin and my own shortcomings, I I couldn't help you. Like I didn't, I felt that I was upset by it, but I really didn't know what to do. And in the past, you had sometimes told me when I'm upset, leave me alone and I'll get over it. So I kind of thought, okay, maybe I'll just leave her alone. And I, cause I, again, I was also in my own little pit of despair and I couldn't do anything for her.
1: Yeah. And I didn't know where to turn. I didn't really think God could help me, um, because I thought I had to do it on my own and I thought I had to be tough on my own and I thought I had to get my life together so that God would accept me on my own.
0: So I remember I had. Confessed to her, and after that, in a sense, all hell broke loose. And she said, I can't love you anymore, I don't love you. And that's what I had been afraid to hear those words. That's what, and I tried my best to fix it. I actually went to my uncle and I told him, and I called up Hillary's parents and I told them, and I I told like everybody who is, you know, important in my life. This is what I'm struggling with and I need help. And so, um, our pastor offered to counsel us a little bit and we went over to his house a couple times and I was really like, I actually started to feel better. I feel, I feel bad because like she was feeling worse, but I was actually starting to feel better because I had confessed my sin and I felt, wow, I'm not bearing this secret anymore. It's out in the open now that it's out. And that's actually when God started to work on me. But it got a little more intense after that point.
1: So I let the root of bitterness take root in my life. And I hardened my heart against everything. Hardened my heart against God. Hardened my heart against Micah. Like Micah said, I... Told him, you know, I don't love you anymore because I didn't. I was I was so mad and so angry that I had worked so hard to be everything that I thought God wanted me to be. And, and
0: everything that you thought I wanted you to be.
1: And everything I thought my family wanted me to be. That I just, I was like, all right, I'm done. This isn't, it's not working for me. This way is not the way and I'm, I'm just done with it. So I kind of went off the deep end. This guy who had been talking to me said that he had feelings for me. And so I was like, okay, this is my way out. I can get out of this. And because of that, I decided that I wanted to move out of the condo that Micah and I had shared. Micah and I kind of lived in the same house for
0: a couple months as strangers.
1: Yeah, as strangers. I'd come in, I'd make dinner. I didn't care if I made dinner for him. I felt cordial enough to make dinner, and I made sure he had money. I told him to get his money together because he had to fend for himself after that, and I saved enough money to get an apartment with my friend. And I didn't care what my family thought after that because I I lived off from pleasing my family and making sure that they thought I was doing the right thing at times. And it broke my heart when I didn't think that they thought I was doing the right thing. So um, this time I just didn't care. I was like, "I'm, I'm gonna do what I want to do for once in my life. And I shut my feelings all off and I moved out. And I knew that what I was doing wasn't right. I knew that God still had more for me. And I, the guy that I had a relationship with, he also had a family, but his family, uh, he had said just, he had kids and he loved his kids, but he, him and his wife weren't really together. So I, I said, okay. And I thought, you know, that's my way around an affair, but I, I was having an affair with him and having a relationship with him.
0: It's when it's something that we want, it's easy to talk ourselves into Mm -hmm. it. Even when deep down we know it's wrong, but like we are our own best salesperson.
1: Yes. So I argued with God about whether it was right or not. I, I, would go to church and then hear sermons and think that they were about me. And sometimes I felt like they were, but they weren't really. And because God was trying to convict me, God was trying to say, this is wrong. And so I'd shut God out. I moved to a different church. I tried to get involved in ministry there because again, that's the only thing I knew. That's what I thought was right. I still wanted God, but I still wanted my own way. And God's like, you can't have it both ways. So the relationship, um, kept going for like nine months and I would cry a lot and say, God, if this isn't right, if this is so wrong, because I know it is wrong, but if it is so wrong, then why aren't you getting me out of this situation? Why aren't you taking control and Why can't you change my heart? Because I hate Micah. I do not like him. He has done me wrong. He has broken me and I will never love him again. So if you want me to love him, then you're going to have to change my heart. And right now I'm not really willing. I didn't really want that in my life. So I'd say, God, get me out of the situation. I'd cry and then I'd go through everything again. And try to make myself better. And Micah and I had been married for nine years prior to this. And quite honestly, we didn't think we could have children. We hadn't tried to have children, but we hadn't not tried to have children. So, um, I'm like, well, I can't have kids. And in my relationship with this other guy, all of a sudden I found myself being pregnant and I'm like, okay, God. So this is your way of getting me out finally. And I was like, I'm going to have a baby and I don't know what to do. And so this guy, he said that he would be kicked out of his house. So he came and he lived with me for a couple of days. Um, And I I knew in my heart that it wasn't going to work. It was still very hard because I was emotionally attached to him at this point. And God goes, here, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to fix it. And I remember saying to God at one point in this, God, just leave me alone. I don't want anything to do with you. Let me go on to my own devices. But it does say in the Bible that, um, he creates vessels for good and vessels for evil. And... I can't remember right now. Vessels
0: of honor and vessels of dishonor, but even a dishonorable vessel can be
1: made honorable. honorable. Mm -hmm.
0: And also it kind of reminds me of how God will leave the 99 to go after the one who wanders away.
1: Yes. And God just totally did that for me. He totally came after me and with everything that he could, he came after me. And so, Um, My heart was broken, and I was pregnant, and I was like, okay, here we go. I'm going to do this on my own. I'm going to get my life together, and for the sake of this child, I will raise it the correct way. Um, We will go to church. We we will be a godly mom and child.
0: So during all that, I was left alone to fend for myself, and honestly, I didn't know how to do it. I had you know been used to my wife cooking for me and cleaning and honestly it was unfair because again because of my guilt and my the bad that I was doing my sin I didn't really help her around the house I didn't really clean I didn't do dishes hardly I kind of just sat around like a lazy bum and got fat and you know it was just <laughs> not what a husband should be so when she moved out that utterly like just broke me. And I had a feeling it was coming. But when it finally happened, I remember um, she told me that she was going to move out on this specific day. And I had gone to church that morning. And she said, when you come home from church in the afternoon, I won't be here. So I came home and sure enough, her most of her stuff was gone. So from that point on, there was a few times where I almost killed myself, I was going to shoot myself in the head and just end it and be done with everything and I was like, God, you know I confess my sin I'm coming clean like why even though deep down I knew why this is consequences of sin just because we sometimes you know just because we say we're sorry, it doesn't mean we're not forgiven but it doesn't always save you from the consequences because God's work had not been finished yet. So I started to pray. Um, I got counsel and I prayed, and I prayed, and I had never prayed so much, and I started praying for Hillary and asking God to help change me. And a big shift happened in me now because I used to listen to a lot of secular music. I never liked to worship. You know, I kind of just played church, but something shifted, and I started to listen to um, Christian music, and not just entertainment Christian music, but like worship music. And I started to learn how to appreciate to worship God, and learn how to be in his presence. And basically, I was finding God for myself. It was almost like salvation all over again. And I just let God change my heart. And little by little, things in my life were changing. I suddenly, because I didn't have anyone at home, I loved being around people. I craved to be around people. And to be completely honest, I didn't like being home alone by myself. So um, when I wasn't working, I found myself... Uh, frequently going to Starbucks just because I would sit there and draw and get away. So I wasn't home alone and I could be around people. And I would also be at church a lot. And I started to run and exercise and um, I slimmed down quite a bit, (laughs) partially because of depression and partially because of exercise, because it kind of helped clear my head to get out and to run and to jog. And just um, that also served as alone time with God too, just being out in nature. So, time were on and I would say God like so let me back up a minute I remember I had talked to my dad one morning early on in all this and he said Mike I have a word for you he said Hillary is going to reject you for a season but then in another season she's going to come around and I thought you know he's my dad he's just trying to spare my feelings I mean that would be nice um, and then a guy I work with Rodney One of my friends, he told me, everything's going to be okay. You know, I just kept getting these little confirmations from people. But at the same time, it's kind of like if somebody dies, you know, or people are like, oh, I'm so sorry. And, you know, when you're in that role of the victim or or the person being hurt, you just think that people are trying to make you feel better. But I know that each of these people was very sincere in what they were saying. And so I would pray. And I remember saying, God, our when are Hillary and I going to be back together? Like, is this ever going to happen? Like, and I remember God saying, it's going to get worse. Like this voice in my heart. And I didn't want to believe it. I'm like, no, it's the devil. He's, but I found out it wasn't the devil. It was the Holy spirit. And he was telling me, listen, the pain is going to get worse. And it did. And every time I, over the coming months, I would pray. And then Hillary would like do something else or say something else to me to break my heart even more. Cause we would still keep in communication a little bit over the phone And, uh, I remember finally, as we were about five months into our separation, six months in, she told me that she was pregnant and I said to her, I said, you know, just come back to me and we'll raise, I don't care whose kid it is. I'm like, just come back to me and we can raise the child together. And she goes, no, I don't want that. I'm going to be with this other guy. And so that really like was the final, like hurt the plateau or the peak, I should say, sorry, not the plateau, the peak of my hurt. And I remember I just cried and cried, and I was really tempted to go to the bar that night and just drink. Um, but I <laughs> ended up going to my uncle's house, and he just prayed with me, and my family was there, and they just supported me. And uh, from that point on, I just learned to seek God even more. And finally, something really crazy happened. Like, I got to the point where I realized if Hillary and I didn't get back together, I was going to be okay. I still loved her to death, and I wanted to be with her. Um, and I did. Every time I had an opportunity, I would just show Jesus to her the best I knew how because God was changing me. And I think she started to see that, but she didn't want to admit it. Cause, and I, yeah, and I was Yeah, and I wasn't even... Because change sometimes comes slow, and even you don't realize the change that's happened. So... Um, I finally, I remember I told her one day cause we were still talking on and off. I don't know why she talked to me still, but I said, listen, Hillary, I, I can't do this anymore. I can't talk to you. I either need to, we either need to start working on being together again, or you need to just leave me alone because talking to you is so hard on my heart and I love you, you know, but we need to figure out what's going on here because it's like just toying with me. So,
1: So, um, I was fine still with not talking to him, but I think I had to give him like insurance money every month, so I would just drop it off after he had said that a couple of times. And then um, I had some gallbladder issues because of my pregnancy, and I just didn't know what to do. And Micah and I were talking for some reason because of my gallbladder issues yeah, i can't was, really remember what happened there
0: i was eating dinner alone in da vinci's and um you called you were texting me and you said that you were having gallbladder issues because i had actually helped you find a car because you needed a car so we interacted a little bit but not much and then you mentioned that your gallbladder was acting up and that it was very painful so i offered to bring you some natural remedy stuff
1: And I said, yeah, because I had nobody else to bring it to me. My roommate um, was at work, and I couldn't really drive because I was doubled over in pain. so Micah came, and he brought me some stuff for my gallbladder, but my attack got worse. So I went to the hospital. I actually drove myself the first time, and um, I was able to tell Micah about it, and we kind of laughed it off. But then I had another gallbladder attack, and... I saw Micah's change more every time I interacted with him and I, I, God was softening my heart to see that he could change Micah and that he could change me because he, he was in the process of changing me and I was open and willing for that change at this point because I wanted my child to grow up knowing God and loving God. So I I was ready for a change and, um, still, I still was not ready to have a relationship with Micah at all, but I was ready to be friends with him. So he took me to the hospital and he stayed with me overnight, um, for my second gallbladder attack. And he just was a servant to me and everything that God is to, um, his people and to his church. And I really saw, saw that in Micah.
0: And, uh, basically I'm thinking about it. And if you've ever seen the movie fireproof, basically that was us, you know, a few things different, but that was kind of my life. Like, you know, instead of beating the computer with a baseball bat, I actually sold my computer, you know, got rid of it. Um, But yeah, so I sat with her all night in the ER that night. And I remember looking at her and she looked at me and we didn't talk too much. But that hardness that was in her eyes before, I didn't see it there. But I didn't push the issue. I wasn't going to keep, you know, asking her, you know, what was going to happen. And actually, prior to this, um, we had already filed for divorce. So that was in the in the works. And I had told Hillary before, if you're going to file, you're going to pay for it because I don't want divorce.
1: And I was like, fine, I'll pay for it. And I made him sign. (laughs)
0: <laughs> so I just did because I didn't want to drag it on I was just because I prayed about it and I'm like I don't really know what to do I never ever thought that I would be here at this decision in a thousand years but I was like all right I'm just gonna sign and like I'd take care of it so we signed and then going back to the hospital um, I took her home from the ER and after that we just kind of became friends
1: yeah we started talking more because
0: like pleasant talk not yeah stabbing or <laughs> blaming or <laughs>
1: yeah so we started having good conversations and um talking about music i went to his condo and we had played music together because that's that's our common interest i guess yeah. is because I,
0: during this time actually i I'd started to lead worship at church, and I never, ever did that before. Never sang in front of people, and that was a big part of the change in my heart is I actually enjoyed worshiping God. Now I enjoyed music I never had before in my whole life. Even though I've been a musician since I was a kid, I never enjoyed it.
1: So I loved that, and I, I love playing music with people. And um, so we were able to connect in that way as well. We were able to do music together and worship together and so that also contributed to our friendship. And then I had to go to my parents a couple of times. So I asked Mike if he wanted to go with me. And through those times, we were able to talk a lot. And because it's a long drive, it's four hours. So
0: And the look on your parents' faces when they... Because you went once by yourself. Yeah. And then when you said you were coming with me,
1: They're like, okay, what's going on? And I'm like, well, we're going to be friends again. We're going to, we're going to try to work this out. Um, and that was God softening my heart more and more. So we went, um, I was, my heart again, soft. And I had another gallbladder attack there. Michael woke up out of his bed because we were not in the same room. We were in separate rooms. So my, I text Micah. I'm like, I have to go to the hospital. And he's like, well, I'll go with you. So him and my mom went, and they stayed with me all night and, again, made sure I was okay. And shortly after that, Micah and I talked, and I said, I'm starting to have feelings for you.
0: Well, I remember the night, actually. We I, we have prayers, um, like, Every two weeks on Friday nights at our church. So, and we would, at this point, our prayer group was smaller. So we met at different people's houses. And I remember I was at prayer and Hillary's like, Hey, can I see you? Because she was still working, but she had gotten off work. And so I'm like, Sure. So I left prayer early and I drove to Target and she was there at Target shopping. And she came out and she came and sat in my car with me and we just talked. And I remember. I just, she, she looked at me and she started crying and she said, I'm so sorry for everything. And we both started crying and, uh, we just hugged each other and we still took it slow. We didn't like, you know, start passionately kissing or anything, (laughs) (laughs) but we, uh, it was my opportunity to date her again. Like I felt like I courted her the second time better. Well, I know I did better than I did the first time. Yes. Like we, we basically had a reset, except for you were pregnant. And uh, also God had put a love for this baby into me. Like I was so excited, even though it wasn't biologically mine. And I should say not it, but she, because it's Aya, our little girl. Um, I just loved her so much and wanted to be her daddy. And so that was just all God, like doing this. And so it came to the point Fast forward a little bit to where, um, if anyone's ever familiar with divorce, they have what they call the cool-down period. So that's after they sign. And it's you, 90 days. Yep, and you hand in the papers and everything's finalized. They do a 90-day cool-down period, and then they send you like another thing to just make sure this is what you want to do. So we talked about it and talked about it, and we even talked about going through with it and then getting remarried. But we ended up just saying, no, we're not going to finalize this, and we never did finalized it and we just stayed married and um i know some people have said jokingly you know because at this point it had been over it was like 10 and a half years of marriage and people were like well you can minus a year out of your marriage and i'm like no i can't because when you say your marriage vows you say i'll be with you for better or worse till death do you part and this was a real test on those vows this was the worst part of those vows but also moving into the better part because when you leave your heart open there's no hurt that god can't heal and there's no broken relationship that god can't repair and i don't say that in condemnation to those who have experienced divorce or have experienced hurt and ended their marriage and divorce it doesn't always turn out the way it did for hillary and i but again if you're in this kind of situation now or even if you are divorced God can still fix that. Um, And as a quick side note, growing up, my pastor, uh, Pastor Fred, he's uh, with the Lord now, but him and his wife, and I don't think they would mind me saying this either. They were like grandparents to me and they were actually divorced for like six years or something like that. I might be a little off, but they were like actually full on divorced. And then God brought them back together and they remarried and they've just built a powerful ministry in their family. And their great-grandchildren and grandchildren, they're all God-fearing. So it just shows that there's nothing too broken for God to... That that God can't fix. Yeah, that God can't fix. Thanks for helping me see each other.
1: (laughs) So um, Micah was able to be there with me through the, the end of my pregnancy. And we pretty much were reconciled and my dad was very confused because we weren't really sharing uh, um
0: not sharing too much too soon with
1: everyone. yeah because we wanted and I I was still not confident that God had finished working um and it was just kind of it was just a scary time for me so I and I was still broken and still reserved so I, I said well we may be together I'm Thinking we are going to be together, but let me just wait a couple more months until after A is born, and then I, I would love for Micah to raise A because he's changed and he's a godly man, and I know that God could use us if if we allowed it. So, um, af- a month after A was born, I think we got an apartment together and and move back in together and from there God has changed our lives and used us because we were open and willing and for that it sometimes people think that I only went back for Micah because I needed him but again I didn't need him I I wanted him. That's what changed in my heart. I, I didn't need him. I didn't need another person for the first time in my life because God had changed. Um, and it was changing my insecurities. I, I lost a, a lot of insecurities. I still definitely have some as do most people, but I lost a lot of insecurities in that aspect is as I don't need him but not because my heart is hard or heart is hard, Mm -hmm. but because I, 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 I have God and God is my everything at this point. And so I wanted Micah and I wanted that relationship and I wanted us to be together and, um, I wanted us to work it out and that's what changed in my life. It wasn't, uh, I need him because I'm an insufficient human without a guy. I want him because God wants us to be together and God wants our two as one to be complete. So also people say, well, how can God, you know, take you Um, somebody who's had an affair, who's ruined lives or whatever, how can he, how can he take you back? But it says in first John one, nine, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and purify us from all unrighteousness because God came for the sinners. He came for you and, um, everybody has sinned. It says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And no sin is bigger than another. And if we confess that we've done wrong, God is faithful and just, and He he's a good God. He's a good father and he will forgive us just like we forgive our children. Good parents forgive their children when they do something wrong, um, no matter what it is. And they still reach their arms out just like the prodigal son when he went away from his family um and spent his whole reward his father still threw a party and still was excited to have him back because he was a good father and he still loved his son no matter what happened and um so
0: yeah i was gonna say the key there is too the son went off and yeah he squandered everything but he came to a place of brokenness Like he had to be broken first because when we're in our pride and our arrogance and we think we're in our just cause, you know, we don't want to be forgiven. We want to do what we want to do. And the son ended up eating pig slop because, you know, he had no money left. He went and got a job and there was a famine and had no food. So he started eating what he was feeding this farmer's pigs. And he thought to himself, my father has servants And they eat better than this. Like, his slaves are treated better than I am. And they have clothes to wear and a place to sleep. And he thought to himself, okay, I'll go back to my father, but I will beg him to be a servant. And so, yeah, like what you said, he came back. And while he was a long way off, the father saw him and ran to him and kissed him and fell upon him and gave him rings and a robe and killed the fatted calf. And, you know, then you have the religious crowd, which was his brother. And his brother's like, Father, I stayed here and I did the work. I did everything I was supposed to do. I was a good boy. And this son who basically wished that you were dead and took his inheritance and squandered it and ran off, you're honoring him? But that's how God is. It's not that he doesn't love those that stay with him and uh, serve him. But he throws a party and a feast when those who are lost come back. Just like when the good shepherd left to find the one sheep. He left the 99 to pursue the one. And it says when the good shepherd found the one sheep, he brought him home and then called all of his friends over and threw a party to celebrate the return of the lost sheep.
1: And it says in Second Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away and behold, all things become new. And that means that if you put away what you have done before, and you ask God to change you and reconcile you to himself, you are a new creature, and everything that you had done before is wiped clean. God God forgets all those sins that you had had previously, and you just need to continue to walk in him and learn from him and change your thinking, and not in yourself, but you let God do it.
0: And through the word of God.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it, yeah, so far as the East is from the West, that he has removed our sins from us, even as far down as the ocean floor, which means, you know, he forgets about our sins. And I want to touch on something that Hillary had just said a little bit ago, that she found out that she didn't need me, but she wanted me. And that's the same thing I found out when she left me. I thought I needed her. I thought I needed a wife. I needed a woman to make me a man through that whole separation, we were separated for about nine months and I realized I don't need her. What I really need is God. And it's the same thing with God. He doesn't need us. He wants us. That's the whole point of the free will. He wants us to choose him and wants us to love him. Just as again, I didn't, I realized I didn't need Hillary, but I wanted her to love me because I loved her. And even if she decided not to choose me again. It didn't mean that I wouldn't love her anymore, or yeah, it, it meant I would still continue to love her. And I want to reference something really quick too. Um, there was a series of books called The Circle Series by Ted Decker, and I would recommend it as reading, especially if you're into like a little bit of sci-fi and fantasy, but you also love the Word of God. Um, but there's a part in it where they're talking about Elion, which is their word for God in the book, And they and when they talk about him, they reference uh, something called the Great Romance, and in that they say he, being Elion, he chooses, he pursues, he woos, he protects, and he lavishes. Uh, (laughs) Excuse me, I get choked up, Um, because that's how God is with us. He chooses us, even if we don't choose Him, and then He pursues us, and then He rescues us from our depravity, from our sin. And then he woos us back to him and he protects us and then he lavishes us. And, um, I'm not saying I'm, I'm not a good man. I'm just saved by God. But this is, I got to experience being Jesus to Hillary because I chose her. I pursued her, even though she rejected me so many times I pursued her. I rescued her in a way, not, That she needed me, but I wanted to. I wanted to be her husband. I wanted to be the father to this little girl that she was carrying. I wooed her again. I got to date her and um, show her that I loved her through my actions. And then I wanted to protect her. I wanted to be her husband and her protector. And I lavished her and I gave her my love and gave her everything that I could. But again, I didn't I also didn't make an idol out of her, which I kind of did before. She just became what Christ, you know, Christ in the church. I got to experience that in my marriage. So, and one other thing, hopefully I'm not going on too long. Um, I want to read in Matthew about when Jesus taught about divorce. And it says, when Jesus had finished, and this is Matthew 19, when Jesus had finished saying these things, he went away from Galilee, Galilee and entered the region of Judea beyond the Jordan. And large crowds followed him, and he healed them there. And the Pharisees came up to him and tested him by asking, Is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? And he, Jesus, answered, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And said, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh? So they are no longer two, but are one. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. Then they said to him, Why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and send her away? And Jesus said, Because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. And the disciples said to him, If such is the case of a man with his wife, it is better not to marry. But he said to them, Not everyone can receive this saying, but only those to whom it is given. For there are eunuchs who have been so from birth, and there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by men, and there are eunuchs who have been made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let the one who is able to receive this receive it. What I really pulled out of that passage is, yeah, Jesus did say that sexual immorality is... A cause for divorce. But I want to focus on something that he said prior to that. Because of the hardness of your hearts, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives. Again, if you are listening to this and you've been in a similar situation and you're divorced, I'm not condemning you. But I learned how to soften my heart and to forgive. And Hillary also, through her trial, learned how to have her heart softened and learned how to forgive. And it shows that Because our hearts were not hard and we both allowed God to work in us, he was able to restore our marriage. Again, I know there's situations where a divorce happens and then the other partner leaves and then marries someone right away and maybe remarriage isn't possible. I've heard all kinds of crazy stories and testimonies. And again, I'm not saying that everyone will get back together. But the takeaway I want to give is that God will make you whole. If you felt like you've been torn into, because it says here that the two become one flesh when they're married. And if you've experienced this where you're divorced and you feel like you've been torn and there's just no hope, hope in God. Because even if you don't get back with your partner and something prevents that, God can still make you whole where you realize that he is your everything and he is all you need. So I kind of want to, I guess I'll end there. Hillary, do you have any last remarks before we end the episode?
1: I don't.
0: Okay. Well, Hillary, thank you for being on tonight. and
1: Thanks for having me.
0: This was, uh, we're both like half in tears here because <laughs> um, I always get emotional when we talk about it because I I love what God has done for us. And I'm not ashamed. I know neither of us are to share our testimony. Some no. people might be a little uncomfortable with like, you know, hey, you're, you're sharing all this. It's like, yeah, because this is God's glory. This is mm. his victory. It's not yes. ours. Amen. And uh, again, we're not perfect people, but we love God and we're doing our best to serve him. And um, our little girl Aya now is like three and a half. And um, Elias is the little boy that we're going to have soon.
1: Which is another total testimony.
0: Yeah, because we didn't think, I didn't think I was able to have kids. So God has blessed us. Surprise blessing. (laughs) So anyway, I just want to wrap this up. I hope you enjoyed tonight's episode. And if you have any questions or comments, please email me at at nightlightpodcast at yahoo.com. That's K-N-I-G-H-T-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at yahoo.com. And uh, again, if you have a testimony or something you want to share, or if you just have any questions or comments, or if you wish to support us by any means, please pray for us. Anything beyond that, you can feel free to contact me through the podcast or on our Facebook page. Thank you, and I hope you have a blessed night. One, two, three, four.